Today we're going to talk about setting prices in the project proposals that you've been working on. And this might be the toughest lesson in the whole seminar. And the reason I'm doing it right up front like this is so that you'll have more time for the information to sink in. We'll have more time to talk about it over the 12 weeks. And in fact, you might even get real proposals to work on over the course of that time that we can use as examples and help you work through this shift because it's a, what we're going to talk about today requires a really big mind shift and it takes time for it to sink in. What I'm going to cover now are the three steps that I would go through to value price a project proposal. In a nutshell, you're going to start with the value, you're going to come up with three prices, and then you're going to reverse engineer the scope to fit the prices. I know that sounds backwards, but that's the way value pricing works. That's the genius of it. It's the opposite of coming up with a scope first and pricing your time and materials. Basically, this whole lesson is going to be a to-do, like an exercise for you to do on the proposal draft that you're working on. The first thing I want you to do, there'll be three things. The first thing I want you to do is estimate the value of the transformation. So what do I mean by that? If you go to the situation appraisal in the proposal, uh, in the proposal that you're working on, in that section, there should be the, the client's current state and it should be their desired future state. And the difference between those two things is the transformation. Also in that section, there's a piece about what they think your contribution to that might be. It's why they asked for a proposal. It's why they reached out to you in the first place, or it's why you agreed to write a proposal for them. But they believe that you can make some contribution to this overall transformation that they're trying to make. What I want you to do is calculate what that transformation, the whole thing, not just your contribution, but the whole thing might be worth to that company. So it could be something real tangible and bottom line, like some amount of decreased costs or some amount of increased sales, or it might be something more intangible like branding morale or whatever. Um, if you can do some kind of a back of the napkin calculation to come up with a number, that would be great. You know, maybe for example, um, if I provide this service, you won't have to hire two junior employees, which would roughly work out to $100,000 a year, fully loaded cost or something like that. So maybe you can decrease a cost or maybe you can increase sales or whatever. But if you can tie it to a bottom line thing, great. Come up with a number, just roughly calculate it. Obviously, it's not going to be exact, but that's okay. If you have no, if you cannot think of any possible way that what you would do is going to lead back to some kind of business benefit or at least one that you can measure with a dollar amount, just guess. Just order of magnitude, well, maybe it's $10,000, maybe it's $100,000. Uh, we're going to talk more about how to get a better number here in the next lesson, so don't worry about that too much. Just come up with a number. Either it's an educated guess or it's a wild guess. I don't care. Uh, for the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to say it's $100,000. In the first year, the customer uh, would say, oh, that was worth hundred grand. That transformation is, is, was worth that much money to us. Once you have that number, I want you to go back to the situation appraisal and add like one, maybe two sentences that explain the value of the transformation or at least include the value of the transformation. So you could say something like, you know, uh, based on our conversation, I estimate that, the, that this shift to whatever you're looking to shift to be worth about $100,000 uh, in the first year alone. So 
Um, whether the number is completely made up or not, I want you to just make up a sentence and put it into the situation appraisal so that when the, uh, when the client would be or the prospect is reading the proposal, they're going to see a big dollar sign amount right up front on probably the first or second page of the document. That's the point there. We're going to anchor really high with the value of the project, even if you're guessing at it for now. The second step of this process is to set three prices. And I want you to, for the time being, ignore any scope that you imagined for options one, two, and three. That was a good starting place, but, but I don't want you to be constrained by it. It's just think of it as a draft. And what I want you to do is take your value number, I'm going to say $100,000 for round numbers, and I want you to divide it by 10. And you'll get $10,000 if, if your value is 100, but whatever your number is, divide it by 10. That's going to be your price for option one. Then what I want you to do is say, okay, let's say I have a budget of $10,000 to help the client make this transformation that they want. They want to give me this budget of $10,000 to move this needle uh, somehow, a little bit, a lot, uh, partially, whatever. But if I had a budget of $10,000, what could I do to help the client move this needle? and you reverse engineer the scope of the option to fit the price. Now, here's a word of warning. You don't want the scope to be so big that the money is barely worth it to you. So if $10,000 is barely, like, you, eh, I hope they don't pick option one. $10,000 is going to be pretty tight. I almost would rather not do it, you know, do this stuff for $10,000. What I want you to do is adjust the scope down. Don't increase the price. The price is $10,000. That's all you're getting for option one. So do less. Take stuff out of option one so that, this, so that if they pick it and you're going to get $10,000, here's your budget to do option one, you'll be like, that's cool. That's great money for what, for what this is. This is great money for what I promised in option one. You need to have that wiggle room. You need to have that profit because there will be changes. You'll probably have to adjust things along the way. And it'll give you the wiggle room to do that without feeling like you're losing money. So again, don't increase your price. The price is what it is. Decrease the scope to a point where you'd be happy if they picked that option, or at least you wouldn't be bummed out or scared. Now, to calculate op the price for option two, just multiply the price of option one by 2.2. This is a magic percentage that is, I, I won't go into it. There's studies behind this particular multiplier. Um, it's part of what I call uh, Goldilocks pricing. So just multiply option one by 2.2. So if it's $10,000, your option one is $10,000, then multiply by 2.2 and you're going to get $22,000. And now do the same thing with the scope on option two. If the client gave me $22,000 to move this needle, what could I do to help them do that? and just make the scope such that it feels very comfortable, there's plenty of wiggle room, and you'd be happy to do this scope of work for $22,000. And then option three, same thing, except we're gonna multiply option one by five. So if your option one's 10,000, option three is gonna be 50,000. So that's much higher than options one and option two, and it's going to drive the buyer to option two. It's gonna make option two look like a bargain. They might pick option three because it's far cheaper. It's half of the value to them. So if you did a good job calculating the value and they have a lot of trust in you and they think you're really going to move the needle, then they might go for option three. But the, the, um, 
the, the curve, the Goldilocks curve is designed to drive people to option two. So you want to make sure that that scope is, you know, of all of them, that is your most fist pumping win option. And option three, if they buy it, great. They usually won't. Uh, but if they do, fantastic. Again, with option three, make sure that the scope of work is very comfortable for you for that price, for 50000 let's say. You don't want to get stuck in this situation where you price, you, your scope is just, is, is, um, tight so it doesn't tight it doesn't fit in that price that's how i view it. it the scope is too big to fit in that price and if it exceeds that price it's it you wish you would have charged more you want the scope to comfortably fit within the price so just keep that in mind as you're um, reverse engineering these scopes to fit the prices now this is the backwards thing that i talked about at the beginning i i know it's weird to think about setting prices first without even knowing what you're going to do but this is the way that value pricing works. If you, if you figure out a value and you pick some prices, you have to pick prices that are lower than the value. You have to. They will not pay more than it's worth. So you pick prices first and then think about scope. So this is going to take a long time to sink in, or at least it, it does for most people. So that's why we're doing it early so you can practice it over and over and we can all talk about it in the Slack room. I know this is going to be hard to do. It's going to take time. So just do your best, add these things, you know, do these things to your proposal, modify the proposal in the, in the ways that I described, and then share that in the Slack room so that we can all discuss it and sort of, um, you know, sort of stress test the, uh, what you put together and also discuss the, the sort of craziness of this mind shift so we can start to help internalize this concept of scoping last. So starting with value then setting prices, and then setting the scope as the last thing. Okay, can't wait to see what you come up with in Slack.